Welcome back to another episode of Cap and Trade. I am your host, Texans Cap. You can follow me on Twitter at Texans Cap, or if you prefer the written form, capandtrade.substack.com. Got a jam-packed show for you tonight. We'll get our guest on here, Mr. Jeff Risden. Jeff, how are you, sir? Good to be with you. It's it's draft eve. It's it's my favorite time of year. I've I'm about broken, man. I am I'm <laughs> Um, the news with Houston, it's, it's changing every about 30 minutes now. And I've about hit my stage where I'm just, (laughs) nothing would surprise me at this point. So it's, it's very hard to keep up with everything that's flying out of Houston, out of various orifices in Houston. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you, man. Um, yeah. So if for all, uh, everybody listening in, watching in, appreciate you. Make sure you hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Jeff is, uh, the managing editor over at the draft wire for USA today. And I, are you still covering the Browns wire as well? Or no, the uh, Lions wire. Just do Lions. Yep. I, yep. Uh, I gave up Browns. Um, you used to yep. cover the Texans for Texans wire. I was the original founding editor there yep. Yep. Uh, before we moved along to uh, give that to Mark Lane. So yep. yeah. Um, All right. We're, we're in fewer hats these days. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, man, we'll dive right in and bet. Well, before I get to that, I just have something to say to, to Scott Fitter in Carolina. You're off my Christmas card list. I don't like you anymore. Frank Wright and his staff were all over CJ Stroud. They were ready to go with them. And then Scott Fitter and his staff said, I think you'll like Bryce Young better. And so they're right. Scott Fitter is off the Christmas card list. So I just want to get that out of the way. So I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's been a rough, rough, uh, you know, from week 18 up until now for other than D'Amico Ryan's hire, it's been a rough go. So watching uh, Bryce Young slip out of our little fingers, going to Carolina, you know, and then no clue what's going to happen at two. I, I, I was, <laughs> I, I was certain about a week ago, uh, up until about a week ago, I was pro Carolina was just bluffing. They're going CJ Stroud and Houston will land Bryce Young. And then, Finally, my my will was broken um, last night, and then um, <laughs> so now we're on to pick two and what they're going to do. And and at first it was Tyree Wilson, then it's Will Anderson, and then it's Will Levis, and then I don't know anymore, man. I don't know anymore. And do you? I mean, I, I wouldn't even <laughs> want to put you on the spot of what you think will happen, but do you have any particular guess you would like to put your name on here? <laughs> So I, my guess, I actually just published my final mock draft over at DraftWire uh, about 20 minutes ago before, before we started doing this. And I have Will Levis at two. Oh, it is, it is just a guess. And I also, the commentary for it, I wrote, it wouldn't surprise me. I I can almost quote myself. uh, I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Tyree Wilson here and the number 12 pick somehow becomes will levis Mm -hmm. but i do think that will levis is going to be one of the first four picks in the draft and if it's he's going to go to houston you might as well take him at two because uh you know i'm not sure that he'll be there beyond that but uh and i'm not sure i'm not sure that they would trade up either that far but it's one of those things where if he does happen to fall like if if the colts like Mm -hmm. cj stroud more yeah and I don't know why they wouldn't, but <laughs> no, I, I don't know I why Houston wouldn't either. But <laughs> yeah, I can't get a feel for where where Indy's leaning. I've asked around, I've asked around, and I've had one person tell me they heard it. Richardson. I've had another person tell me they're all in on Levis. You know, and just I can't get a sense for there. And that's kind of the wild card for me. And I mean, I said on this show two weeks ago that I, or maybe it was last week, that I thought Will Levis was QB two on the board for Houston. And uh, took a little bit of heat for it, but it seems like that's starting to come to a fruition. It just at I what point that's... does Nick try, just, you know, I get the notion, just take him. Don't try to get cute with it, you know, yeah. and, you know, and, and trying to get cute and get Anderson in two. And then, but I, I think Houston is expecting Levis to slide. I don't know 
what makes them think that maybe they think Indy's in on Stroud and Vegas will pass on a QB. I know Ziegler's kind of a lot card in, in Vegas. Hardy's, you know, kind of a work in progress as a GM and just he's very unpredictable. So, you well, know. you got they got that's a dynamic that's going around, not just with what's going on. Like, you know, Arizona, rookie GM, rookie head coach. You know, you got a, a new regime, new head coach in, in Indianapolis. You've got very young, inexperienced guys. Even mm-hmm. Detroit, uh, the team that I cover, they're only going into their third year together. Yeah. You know, Las Vegas, new people. <laughs> There's a lot of variables that go along with that that makes it all that more unpredictable. So uh, if you're trying to if you're trying to game it so you can get a guy later, you probably should just take him if if you if if that's if Nick Casario wants Will Levis, he needs to take him at two. Is yeah. the long and the short of it. Yeah. Um, it. It wouldn't be what I would do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Will, Will Levis is my number sixty-two overall player. But I like I get I get I mean yeah I, I've seen very good Houston teams go down because they didn't have anything better than the Brock Osweiler or the rotting carcass of, of Matt Schaub yeah. at quarterback. Um, if you can get that ahead of time, then you can then you can make some hay. But uh, you got you got to get it right because uh, I, you would know this better than I would. But if if you miss on this pick with the way that that season ended, I. I I don't think Nick Casario is in trouble now, but I think in two years that would be a really big problem for him to try to explain to Cal McNair why I did what I did when I had other options that are probably going to wind up being really good players. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's the discussion being had at at that level is I I don't think McNair is meddling. I don't think he's making any dictation or anything like that or any specific orders, but I think he's like. Like he's like, let's not get cute. Let's just take the quarterback. And I think Nick's like, I think I can get Anderson or Wilson and we can trade up into like eight, nine, 10 and, and get Levis. And, you know, and that's probably the discussion to be had. So we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, we've, we've talked about one overall here. Um, I kind of wanted to, I don't want to get bogged down by this uh, pick at 1.02 because <laughs> we can just spin our heads all day on it. I got some other things I wanted to ask you on. True. Um, and, Speaking of which, with the rookie QBs, I mean, the rookie uh, GMG said that. I saw that, saw a report that uh, the Eagles were laying the foundation to maybe trade up. And I was like, man, how he's just going to have a field day with like Monty Osterford or somebody up there. Yeah, <laughs> that's, like the, that's like the worst person to trade with. He just wins every time. You know, you know you're going to be on the wrong end of that hose, man. <laughs> you just do. You know, they, and they pick, they're, they're scheduled to pick 10 and 30. They're yeah. not making either of those picks. They're moving no. out. Yeah. They're moving around. They'll they'll be picking somewhere else, and they'll probably pick very good players because that's how good teams stay good. And Philadelphia has stayed good for a long time. So, speaking of Will Anderson and Tyree Wilson, who is the better fit for D'Amico's scheme? With you know, I, I don't have the intimate knowledge of his scheme that you probably have a little better idea about it. Yeah, so uh, it, it's good because it is going to be a different fit for every team. Uh, D'Amico, to me, is like this is a guy who played under Romeo Cronell. He's he's of that ilk, but they, they got away from that a little bit in, in San Francisco with what he's been cutting his teeth on as a coach. So I, I think if you can live with Will Anderson not being great against the run uh, – then you're probably going to like him because I think he's a much more refined and accomplished pass rusher. Uh, but, but with it's tough with Wilson because I don't think Texas tech used him very well. I think they saw, this is our best player. We're going to put him at our most impactful position and it might not necessarily be where he plays in the NFL. I think he's a hand down guy and they okay. played him standing up wide nine a lot or, you know, that even off the ball a little bit. That's not how he's going to win in the NFL. So if you're going to play that style, you probably want Will Anderson. But if you want, you know, a guy that's going to be more of a an inline guy, a bruiser, um, a guy, I don't want to say J.J. Watt because that's not right, but a guy who can play that sort of role, um, that's, that's much more Wilson than it is Anderson. Anderson is not a guy who's going to win a lot with power. He has it, but he, does, he doesn't necessarily win with that. He likes to set the, the speed up with the power a little bit. Whereas Tyree, I mean, he's got that length. He's got the the 
extreme upper body strength and he uses it very well. He torques his shoulders and arms so well when he's made contact. The key for him is to make that contact quickly. So if you're going to play him, you know, five techniques, six, even a seven, I, I like I like Tyree Wilson better in that scheme. If you're playing a guy standing up, Will Anderson all day. Okay. Yeah, and I, I, absent the concerns of foot injury and what Wilson's coming off of, and I and I think that would just be another concern for Houston fans after the Derek Stingley saga to draft another uh, player with with injury history would be a, a, a difficult pill to swallow in some cases. I would agree there. Um, although Stingley, I think at the end of the season, I think he's I think he's going to be fine, mm-hmm. but. The you know delayed gratification on a top five pick is tough. So you, I think somebody put it up here in the in the chat. So you had Nolan Smith at twelve for for Houston. I did, what, and that's, what was your that's thinking go- on that one? So that's going on the theory that they got Levis at two, mm-hmm. and I don't think that any of the other premier pass rushers are going to be there. And I I like what Nolan Smith offers. Um, and to, to this defense, he does what Will Anderson does more than he does what Tyree Wilson does. He's a weird player, though, because he's he reminds me of Barkevius Mingo. And I know that's an, a fairly obscure <laughs> poll, but he's oh, he played under, here. He, he did, didn't he? Yeah, it was a part of the it was a part of the I don't know. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Um, he's a power oriented guy who's really undersized to be that. But, uh, like, Mingo was – I think he was the number five pick. He went to the Browns. Didn't work out. Nobody worked out for the Browns in that era, so I'm not going to hold that against him. But he wound up being – he lasted in the league a, a good long while being a role player in that. He wasn't as dynamic of an athlete as what Nolan Smith is, and I think that's where Smith can have an asset. We're missing out on him because he didn't play at the end of the season. He had the pectoral injury, um, which, you know, if you're concerned about recurring injuries, that, that's something you got to monitor – He's a guy that I think is going to be a consistent, like, six to nine sack a year guy, but also a really, really good run defender. He was Georgia's best run defensive player, regardless of position, uh, when he was healthy. And that's, you know, in, when you're in a division with the the group that they've got to face, you know, Derrick Henry, for all we know, is still in, in Tennessee. You know, yeah. you still got Jonathan Taylor going on. You've got to be able to stop that. And I think he would be a good fit for doing that. Uh, I I like him a lot better than I like Lucas Van Ness, who was the other name that I had there in I was going to ask you Um, about that. I saw you had him pretty far down the board. and and I don't know what to do with him. I think he he could go 10 to Philadelphia. I also think he could fall to, you know, 28, 29, 30 even. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't don't think the NFL knows what to do with with a guy who never started in college. And he, he's Bluetooth, man. He, he, he plays completely hands-free. He has no clue how to use his hands. Yeah, that's what Seth Payne's been saying every morning. That, you know, Seth's a Payne, smart guy. <laughs> yes, he is. Uh, it's interesting that the hasn't started thing, but that's a that's a, a, a seniority thing with how Iowa runs things. Right? 100%. That, yeah, that's not a reflection. Count, his yeah. snap count's high. But yeah. and I've, I've heard second or third hand that Venice is the second edge on Houston's board behind or probably third now behind Wilson and Anderson. So be yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. And maybe, maybe they can teach him up a little bit. Um, as for day two, you know, they, yeah. they're at the top, 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 top of day two, assuming it will work under your premise, your, your exercise of 11, you know, quarterbacks gone on the first day for the team. Yeah. And then they've gone with an edge at, at 12. At this point, you've got to be looking for a playmaker on the offensive side. Yeah. I mean, I think the only, the only other area would be center. Center is to me, the biggest black hole on that offense right yes. now. I mean, I, I can make Nico Collins work. Uh, I can make later round receivers work. I can't like, and, and I put it in, in the mock draft. I, I had John Michael Schmitz as the number 33 or 32 pick. Uh, I love him. I think he's a very, very good center. He is in my top 20 overall players. I think he's a fantastic talent. He's scheme, he's scheme diverse. Uh, He reminds me of Alex Mack, who was a, uh, a very good center for a very long time uh, across a couple different teams. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's got that kind of movement skills. He's got that kind of, of range, but also 
if he gets locked on, man, and he, he gets those those shoulders set, it's over. Like you you're, you can run to either side of him, and it doesn't matter. Like he he's got that locked down. So I think that's actually my favorite pick for Houston yeah. uh, that I made in that final lock. And I would I would love for them to get him there, and I do think he'll be there. I don't think he's going to go in the first round, even though he is the consensus top center, just because mm-hmm. there's not. There's a lot of people that, that don't like him, um, and I, I'm not sure that they understand Minnesota's offense very well. Like yeah. that's not that's not a good team. <laughs> PJ Fleck, um, I love PJ Fleck. Um, I, as, as you know, I live in the West West Michigan area. Right. Uh, I, I used to I used to host this coach's show uh, on the radio here. Yeah. I really really like the guy, but I'm not sure that he's like all there with what his concepts are and matching the players that he has to the scheme that he wants to run. And I think Schmitz uh, suffered from that a little bit at Minnesota. And you think Schmidt will slide right into a, a zone scheme that oh, yeah. Houston's probably going to play run out? Yeah. Um, there, there are other guys that are going to have a little bit more agility than him, but I, I love his ability to engage in space and lock it up. Like he might not get, you know, five steps away, but at, at mm-hmm. three and a half, four steps away, he's the best best center in this draft by a, a good margin. Where do you have Tipman at on your list of centers? So he is, uh, I think I have him going in the third round. He is in the, I want to say 70s overall for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm concerned. I am, I am someone who is gun shy about soft tissue injuries. And this is a guy who tore both of his shoulder labrums. Ooh, uh, okay. that, that scares me. Uh, now he recovered and played well after it, but that's, you know, I, that, that's something where I'm going to be gun shy and, uh, talent wise, he's probably worthy of a second round pick. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I could, I could entertain an argument from people just going off of film that he might be a better prospect than, than Schmitz. Uh, but, uh, with the health background, he's also a little bit older than I, then I can't, I can't do that. Um, I, I wouldn't hate him in Houston. Uh, I think he'd be fine. He does yeah. have range. He, he can really get out and, and excels at engaging second level. He yeah. can, he can combo block. He can, he can stand up to the bull rush a little bit better than Schmitz, but uh, there's, you know, again, the, the injuries are something. Um, and, and I cover a team that has a second round pick that's played like five snaps yeah. uh, in two years. I, it's tough. It, 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 it's tough to do that. And I, as a draft analyst, I've always erred on the side of extreme caution with the injuries like that. So that's that's one of the reasons why he's lower. His film is better than that. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll grant anyone that. So one player that I wanted to ask about, and Beige here puts him up here, Steve Avila. Houston brought him in for a top 30 visit. Kind of sparked a little bit of interest. He you know, played guard, I think, what, this past year or the past – and then he's got some time at center as well. Do you think he projects as a guard, or does he have the ability to slide over to center? I, he is not a zone center. I, okay. I think he could be a, a gap a, a gap scheme center, but he just doesn't have that sort of agility. He's a guy that it takes him a little bit of time to get to get rolling down the, the hill. Um, once he's going, he's great. Um, I, I love the guy. Uh, I, he's he, uh, he's another guy. He he is ranked higher for me than what he projects to go. Okay. I think he's going to be a very good NFL player. He's not going to be a guy that's going to, you know, you know, he's, he has his limitations and I think the limitations are better served playing guard than they are at center, because then you're, you're interjecting then, you know, okay, I got to worry. Like what if, what if, you know, the linebacker a gap blitzes and I'm late to get it. Like he's not going to pick that up where I think a guy like Schmitz can pick that up. But if, if you want to plug him in a guard, do it. Um, I don't necessarily think that the Texans really need a guard. Right no, now, but... not now. Not. I mean, we're hoping the Kenyon Green experiment finds its way back forward and, and can make himself at least serviceable and show some life. And then they traded for uh, Shaq Mason. He's got one year left on this deal. I thought an extension was going to get done pretty quickly after that trade, and nothing's happened. So I'm not entirely sure why, if there's a conflict That's... in – Yes, yeah, so that's an interesting thing because I thought what? the same thing. I, and I might have picked it up from from following you, but I, I thought that that was going to happen too. I thought that would be like, oh, they're making the trade. This is their long term pillar, and they haven't yeah. actually done that. That's kind of strange. Yeah. But yeah, and I, I don't know if it's just something they said. Well, let's talk about it once we get through the draft, which very well may be the case, or if it's they're way off in numbers. I just nothing has been said or reported or anything about it. So. 
Uh, if nothing's been reported, then I'm just going to lean on the fact that they've just said, let's table it, let us get through the draft, and then we'll we'll come back and talk. Um, yeah, so, but I mean, I think, and I, I love the idea of a center. I, I love the idea of a center at 33. But if that's not the direction they go, at that mm-hmm. point, they've got to be looking at some form of a playmaker. They've, yeah, you know, they got, uh, Damian Pierce is not a bell cow, in my opinion. He's a good running back but he's just not your full three down guy. And I think, and Devin Singletary is assigned a one-year deal. So that's not a long, any long-term option. This yeah. team doesn't have, doesn't have any speed on the outside whatsoever. They've got Nico Collins, Robert Woods, John Mechie looks like he's back. And then, you know, I mean, it's just, there's no, from what you saw in San Francisco where they have McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and just all these guys that you just find space for and let them get the ball with space in front of them and make plays. There's nobody on Houston offense that, that can do that. And I think at 33, if you're not looking at center, then to me, either linebacker, but playmakers to me is just something not so much as has to be a specific type of receiver. It doesn't have to be a specific type of running back. I just want a freaking athlete that can do something with the ball in his hand with space. I, I don't disagree with that at all. And uh, I do think that you can get at running back. I think you can wait a little bit and get a guy like Ty J Spears out of Tulane, Devin A. Chain from, from Texas A&M, even uh, yep. Deuce Vaughn if you want to go super small. Uh, Kedre Miller fits out of TCU. That's a guy that, that can make things happen. Uh, I, I do think that you can do something with that a little bit later after that. Like in this range – you're still plugged up into the wide receiver. Now, Josh Downs makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, the wide receiver out of North Carolina, he's, he's small. Uh, but uh, the, the fight to size of dog ratio and that guy is really, really good. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I like that. And he's played in a, an offense where you can see, you can see how it translates into the NFL better than some other ones do. So he makes sense. Um, yeah, the, does and, Jamar and Gibbs, that, does Jamar Gibbs make it to 33? I don't think so. Uh, okay. I, I think he's I think he's awesome. Yeah, I yeah. can I can I can 100% see the Los Angeles Chargers saying Austin Eckler, you want it out? Okay, we got a guy that's better than you already, um, and yeah. making that happen. But he's he's fantastic. Man, he's in my top 15 overall. I, I love that guy. Uh, and I think he is McCaffrey esque. I don't want to call mm-hmm. him Christian McCaffrey, but he can do a lot of the things that Christian McCaffrey does. Really, really close to that level. Uh, so I, yeah. I you know you know if he's there, that's one where you supersede other things and take him, because uh, I'm with you. I, I like I like Damian Pierce. I like what he does. I think he's I think he's a good quality, like one B running back. But you yes. need one A with him. Yep. Yeah. And that would be that. But you, this is a great running back class, man. It's it's yeah. so deep. It, like everybody talks about Bajan. Roshan Johnson, that dude yeah. can play too. No, he's not the kind of back that's going to make plays for you. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he's slower than most tight ends, but guy can play. Uh, so there's there's a lot of options with that. So I, in day two, even early day three, I think you can add speed there at running back and wide receiver too. A guy like Tyler Scott out of Cincinnati, um, Jaden Jaden Reed from right up the road here from from me at mm-hmm. Michigan State is a, a dynamic guy that's probably going to go third round, maybe late second. You know, there's there's options there for that better than there are uh, at some of the other positions where they need it. And, uh, you know, linebacker would be another one. <laughs> so Marco's curious about Zach Evans. Yeah, from Ole Miss. Yeah. He, he, would, he would fit, too. He's a little bit later. Um, he, he had a really bad game, um, aside from the one where he dropped the ball against Mississippi State. Uh, but there's he's probably available in the fourth or fifth round. And okay. again, that that's a good player. Um, can't think of his name from Oklahoma. Is Eric Gray? Is another Eric Gray, one yep, that, yep. that fits. Um, and, and because there's so many of those guys, you're probably going to be able to, to wait a little bit on that if you if you need to. Yeah, I've, I've anybody who watches this show knows that I'm a proponent of of round three, round four, round five running backs. Um, you know, and let I mean, I get B. John Robinson is is a kind of a special player, and it I'm not against taking him early. Certainly not against it by means, but I think there's a other value to be had elsewhere later in the draft, like you're talking about. And you know what's funny with Bajan is you can go. I, I do podcasts with a number of different teams, even even like the official teams, and every single one of them is like, "We love this guy. 
we'd be happy if we drafted him, but we don't really want to draft him because it's, it's not the value isn't there. It's yeah. like every single team feels that way. Uh, where he's going to go, tremendous mystery to me. He could go eight. He could go 28. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I've, I, I think I said it here that I would have to be an A-hole GM with Bajon Robinson because I'm not extending him. <laughs> I'm going to do his yeah. five years. I'm going to do if I draft him first round. I'm going to do his five years. If he's still running great, I'll franchise tag him. Six years, about forty million dollars. Sorry, not doing, not doing an extension, not playing that game, not getting into the Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott uh, issues <sighs> that other teams have gotten into. So yeah. I would just would be I would be hated for that as a you know telling the other players we're not doing that. But that would just be my my take on it. But yeah, I and, agree with you on that. Uh, yeah, and. Speaking of playmakers, this is one other one local, uh, Tank Dell. You can't go wrong with Tank Dell. That guy was so open all the time. Uh, It seems like Jim Nagy tweets about him like once a week. He does. I am a Clayton (laughs) Toon fan, probably more than most draft analysts are. And I think one of the reasons I am is because he had Tank Dell, quite frankly. (laughs) (laughs) That's 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 an interesting name, uh, Clayton Toon. Well. I wonder if he actually gets drafted or not. I think, I think he does. Yeah. I, I think there's fourth, probably fifth round. Um, so, so I was at the senior bowl and like first day, he was best quarterback there. Mm-hmm. And then the next two days, it's like, where'd that guy go? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> my goodness. I'm sitting there looking. Oh, it's Nathaniel Dell. I'm trying to figure out where he yeah. is on my list. Nathaniel Dell. Yeah, here we are. Yeah. He's a little bitty guy, but man, he's, Got some juice to him, that's for sure. And that would be – I don't know. It would be tough to take another small wide receiver, but yeah. like we talked he, about, him, I think this team just needs athletes. He, needs he reminds me of Sky Moore from last year uh, yeah. who went to the Chiefs. Chiefs. Um, another another unders, undersized guy, <laughs> another Western Michigan guy, not to mm-hmm. stay too local. <laughs> what about another area that I think this team is going to have to really look at would be linebackers. So they've got Christian Harris, which I think is going to end up staying at at will i don't know that he would ever shift over to mike and then I they've got not <laughs> yeah and then they've got they signed denzel perryman to a one-year deal low-level deal christian kirksey may may or may not even make it to training camp depending on what they do in the draft because yeah. he's got a, a decent size salary compared compared to performance he's on the wrong side of 30 i think perry's 29 i mean there's just really no really no long-term options beyond Christian Harris and the linebacker core. Once you start getting into linebacker four five and six for that group and this, you know, Frank Ross, the special team coach really loves a lot of speed, you know, from the linebackers with his special teams that he has created a top three special teams core the past two years here, but the team is going to have to find some type of solution at the mic. And I, wouldn't hurt my feelings if they looked at that at 33. Maybe at, I think that's probably maybe in the 40s or 50s is where Nick makes his move up from 65. You know, he's got four six-round picks that. to play with. It's not uncommon for him to trade up in that honey zone of second and third round. He's done it his first two drafts with Nico Collins and then Christian Harris and, and John Mechie. So are there any late day two, day three that – can play kind of fit that Fed, Fred Warner type role in D'Amico's defense. Not the I, performance I, of Fred Warner, but yeah. Well, you would hope for that. Yeah. Uh, uh, I like Dion Henley out of Washington State quite a bit. Now he's smaller. Uh, this is a guy who's a converted safety. He played at 228 pounds. Yep. Uh, he's he's a little bit bigger than that now. He's up to like 232, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he is uh, he's a guy that can can call your defense. He's very smart. He can turn and run with opposing tight ends. He's not going to get beat on the outside going to cover a screen pass. Uh, I, th- I think he's better as a will, but you can, you can see, you can see him being a guy that gets the green dot in a year or two. Uh, I, I like Jack Campbell. I think he's probably, I think he's a little high in that range. Yeah. That name's been getting a lot of run past probably week and a half, two weeks, Jack Campbell. Yeah, so he tested really, really well at, at the combine and at the pro day. He doesn't play that way, but he's it's, that's not to say that he's not a, a very talented player. And he's another one of those cerebral guys. You know, 
I like to think my working theory is that D'Amico is going to want D'Amico 2.0 to mm-hmm. play for him. And that guy, that guy is not really in this draft. Okay. Um, uh, I mean, Drew Sanders, I don't buy the one-year – like, I, I, I like what I see, but I need to see more of it because this is a guy who could not get on the field in Alabama, and Alabama's linebackers were not good. Uh, I know Henry Toto is, is the guy that's going to get drafted, but yep. hopefully not by any team that I care about. <laughs> Did I say that out loud? <laughs> that's funny. You know, there there's um, – Trying to think of some like mid round guys that that uh, that I liked. What what's the what's what's your deal against Toto? I just think that he is one of those guys like you can see it on Alabama film. He sees what's going to happen and then is like, do I react to that or do I not? Like, is that somebody else's job? And then he goes and he's not that fast, and that's that's a problem for me. Um, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a later guy, uh, okay. Nick Hampton out of Appalachian state is a guy who fits that role. Uh, and he's a guy that at, at worst, he's your special teams captain right away. Like this is a guy who's going to clean up on that, but he's, he's, uh, he's what six one two thirty seven, I want to say, and can, you know, he can thump, he can play in between the tackles without a lot of protection needed. He is a guy who can get and, and create a little bit of space for himself to make a tackle. Uh, he does not have the deep range that you would like, um, but you know, D'Amico didn't either. <laughs> it, you think I, I've seen some have Hampton as more of a more of an outside linebacker or, or maybe yeah. an edge guy. You think he can slide yeah, back he, over the middle? He could. Uh, he actually played edge uh, quite a bit for Appalachian. I'm not sure it was full time. I I won't confess to have watching all of the the Mountaineer games, but I saw a good good portion of them. <laughs> you know, yeah. he's he's a guy that you you can move him around. Uh, he. Uh, not to not to lean on Detroit here, but he's got some Derek Barnes to him, a guy who was a third round pick a couple of seasons ago, and has he's been okay. Uh, the Lions aren't necessarily trying to replace him, but I don't think he's a long term piece. And I think Hampton can can be that kind of a guy if you want him in the middle. Uh, but you're, there's not a lot of like traditional like a guy like Noah Sewell coming into the year was a first round pick. And if you watched any Oregon at all, you're like, Oh my God, what happened to that guy is, you know, it looks like he's dragging. It looks like he's wearing like a weight vest. That's how slow he's moving. Yeah. Um, One of my good, one of my good friends is a big, big Oregon fan. And he was the same thing two years ago. Like Sewell's going to be the guy. Sewell's going to be the guy. And then this past year, he, just looks like he has cement boots on. I mean, it just something fell off with him, and I don't know what exactly, but yeah. he just does not have the speed, does not have the recognition, does not have the reads that he was putting together two years ago. And consequently, he's going to probably fall, you know, to day three, and yeah. and rightly so. I mean, hopefully, maybe he'll figure it out at the next level. Maybe he'll get a good situation and get it back. But yeah, that's, I'll give, I'll give you one other one that just popped in my mind. Ivan Pace jr. Out of Cincinnati. He's best known for a gap blitzing. He, he is a thumper in that sort of range. Uh, this is a guy that, that I like quite a bit in that role. And he, mm-hmm. he is a Mike. Uh, you don't want him playing a lot of like ragey stuff, but he's, he's a good player that you could get probably late third, fourth um, in, in the range where you can certainly maneuver, up 10 to 15 spots if you need to and, and give away one of the six round picks that uh, we don't expect them to use. Got one question here on uh, Owen. Pa-pa-pa-pa. Oh yeah. Good, good, good call. From Auburn. He, he's better than pace. So mm-hmm. yes, that that's a good one. I'm, thank you for bringing that up. Uh, that, that, that would, that would have been, a, he's, a, he's a, a lighter player. individual too, though, huh? He is. Uh, you would never know it by watching him play. Uh, but he is—he uh, was on the Bruce Feldman freaks list. He's really, really strong for his size, and he—he's one of those guys like you. When he hits you, it sounds a little different. And uh, I, I can see Demico like that guy. Four three nine forty. Woo. Yeah, and he—he he does play to that speed. Auburn is one of those schools that uses the GPS timing with the chips in it. Mm-hmm. He topped twenty miles an hour as a linebacker. That's—that's wow. that's moving. Yeah. Huh. Man, it's, I mean, that, yeah, there's definitely some potential there for sure. It, like you said, there's probably no prototypical D'Amico Ryan's 
choice of where they might be able to look for their guy this year, but they're going to have to, I mean, maybe they just carry over with their, their guys and maybe look for that, that prototypical guy next year. Um, But it's just that linebacker course got no depth and a lot of, a lot of age there. So that's one area I think this team. I would agree. It's that's one of those where you, and you can find again, middle round help. It's not going to be a guy that's going to stand out for you, but it's a guy who can be an average starter for you, which Mm -hmm. would probably represent an upgrade over what we've seen out of Houston lately. So sticking with the defensive side and cornerbacks, you know, that the team, Obviously took Derek Stanley last year. Got a lot of good value out of Steven Nelson, and he's got yep. one year left on his contract. Um, there was grumblings that he wanted to raise and was willing to retire if he didn't get his raise, and I don't know that that's, that's a, a good path with Nick, but, you know, we'll just assume that he'll be here playing. But he's only got one year left on his contract, and Desmond King is in the last year of his contract. Tavier Thomas is signed a one-year deal. So just another position with no youth or depth out there. And it's the same thing, same area, you know, day two, early day three. What type of cornerback do you think, speaking strictly to the outside cornerbacks, not not a slot cornerback, what kind of quarterback cornerback do you think D'Amico is looking for? More of a hands-on press guy, you know, I it seemed like they run 50-50 zone man out in San Francisco and if see if it, that that carries over to here but yeah that and that's that's the tough thing is because San Francisco's coverage scheme is so like variable based on the opponent that they're facing almost mm-hmm. you know they, if like when they play Seattle they go to more zone because Seattle has all that speed and and size but when they play a team like Arizona that doesn't necessarily have that they they do do more man um they man up against D-hop quite a bit that's a bold decision yeah (laughs) that's a choice that's for sure but when they had guys like emmanuel mosley who was healthy um dema i can't ever say lenore um that guy can play too Um, you know they 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 can they're versatile guys there's there's two things that that stand out with all those guys they play very strong whether it's in press or in zone and they have enough recovery speed that if they if they do get turned around, they can turn around and make it up and, and play mm-hmm. with some ball skills. So if you're looking for uh, one of the easiest ways to get good on defense is to start taking the ball away. And yep. I, that's that's something that I think Stingley can do that. I, I think Peter can – like they have guys that can do that, but you want the long-term solution there. I totally get that. So I would, I would look for guys that can – you know, maybe get two, three, four interceptions reliably every year instead of getting one every two years. I, I think that's that's sort of where you'd be looking at. And this is this is a weird cornerback class. Um, that. <laughs> the sizes are all over the place. I mean, you've yeah, got are. you've got you know Witherspoon and and Forbes who are just little bitty guys, and then yeah. and Ringo and complete opposite spectrum, and a lot of guys in the upper one nineties, low two hundreds, and I I just don't. This is one area I haven't really dove into or asked around of what D'Amico might be looking for, but are there yeah. any, any day two products, you know, targets that might fit the bill in your opinion? So if you can live with Clark Phillips being five, nine, yeah, he's probably the best cover corner in the entire draft out of Utah. Like, mm-hmm. but the thing is he's five, nine, but he is an outside only corner. Like he, he's not, quick and changing direction he's not a guy that's you know that instant acceleration recovery speed that's not what he does he he's more of a hands-on guy he can play off zone and react off of it but you want more shifty quickness uh in the in the slot for that that style of defense and he's that's not what he does um you know uh Tomlinson Hodges Tomlinson out of TCU is another guy if you can live with his size deficiency and it's a big deficiency yeah He's a really good player. There's a lot of that. Um, there's some guys that uh, not not Deontay Banks, who I think is going to be gone in the top 20. The other guy from Maryland, and I can see him, but I can't think of his name. He fits uh, that sort uh, of role. Bennett? Yes, yes. Yep. Corey Bennett. Uh, thank you. Uh, Garrett Williams, if you're comfortable with a guy coming off of surgery, he's much more of a man-only guy. What uh, injury did he have? Was it, he had a was it foot. I, I think it was a foot. 
Okay. So their their running back was also hurt. One of them had a foot, and one of them had an ACL. I can't yeah. track. Um, but I, I like the running back too. You know, there, there's those guys. Um, it was ACL. Okay. Was it? Okay. Yeah. That, that's good to know. Um, they. Uh, I like a little bit later a guy out of UAB, um, uh, Starling Thomas. I, I think is a guy that. He's a guy that if you're going to hit on a guy in the fifth or sixth round that I think is, can be a really good player uh, in the way that they found uh, Emmanuel Mosley in San Francisco and, and some other teams have had some – I think he's that guy this mm-hmm. year. So he's one to look for. You know, But you're going to have to live with the deficiencies, um, and that's the thing. Like, You can either get a guy who's really, really fast or but doesn't have any instincts, or you can get a guy who's like super instinctive and a great cover guy, but he's small. Like yeah. you're gonna have to figure out which way you want to create your defense there. And D'Amico, D'Amico's a bright dude, man. I, I loved the fact that he got the job. I really do. Mm-hmm. I think he's gonna. I think he was the right man for the job. But he's got to figure out pretty quickly what his players can do, and if he wants to be a guy who tailors his scheme to the players that he's got a little bit, or if he's like, no, man, I, I can't, I can't work with these guys. Get me this to make mm-hmm. it work. And uh, that's something that we're going to find out in in the next you know seventy two hours whether what direction they they start off with that anyways. Yeah, and I think the cornerback group, I think, is probably one of the more wild cards and how, like you said, the the big range and big range in size and, and configuration of these players and how they go how they come off the board is going to be going to be interesting to watch. And what do you? I mean, what do you make of? We've seen. You know, Joe Schoen say when they ask him how many first round grades do you have on players, and he's like, it's just, I'm not going to put a number on it. It's extremely low. Chris Ballard said 17. One uh, anonymous GM said less than 10. And it it seems like the consensus consensus is that this is a from a first round grade talent. This is a very slim draft class in terms of that. How do you? does that make for a more wild card session once you get past pick like 12, 13, and then you're going to see a team draft a player that one team has on their board as a fourth round talent, but they have them as a second round talent. And some teams are just going to have to concede the fact that they're drafting players in the first round with second, second round grades. But yeah, I mean, does that, am am I off on that? I think it's just going to be just a crazy, crazy wild draft. You're going to have some just complete surprises. Yeah, some and, guys sitting in the green room for a little while. Yeah, so one of the I'm glad you brought that up because Keon White is going to be there, and I happen to like his potential. I uh, much like Tyree Wilson. I'm not sure that Georgia Tech knew what they had in him. I think he's a three technique. I, I you know, dude, go go to Whataburger like twice a week and and gain an extra five pounds and play play defensive tackle full time. Uh, I wish Georgia Tech would have done that. But he's a guy that, like, I can see some teams really liking him. Uh, and I can also see some teams like, no, <laughs> go away. What are you doing here? Uh, th- th- and I think there's a few players that are like, I think I think Van Ness is going to be like that. Mm-hmm. I think um, I happen to really like Devon Witherspoon, but he is not going to be for everybody. Uh, he is not, like, if you're if you're a team that, that can't live with your outside corner gambling to make a play, he's not for you. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I, I, I think he's going to be Detroit's pick at six if Will Anderson isn't on the board. But and I, I like, I like him very much for that fit. But you put him in Cleveland, you put him in Tennessee. Like, no, it's, it doesn't work. I think that's there's a lot of very scheme specific or team specific draft talents in this class. Those are a few of them. But uh, even at the top, like, I, I, I don't think Jalen Carter's for everybody. Uh, he's a phenomenal player, but for, for for all the you know the histrionics that we've gone through about him, the guy got six sacks in thirty eight games, and I I think the hype machine got a little out of control on how good of a player he is. He's a great talent. He's my number five overall player, and I think he's going in the top five. But I I'm worried that uh, people are going to expect him to be Michael Strahan, and that that's, that's not who he is. That's not who he was in college. Yeah, uh, it's. I, I yeah, I think this is just going to be a, a wild draft for sure. Um, it's the last position group I wanted to talk about, and it's been talked about as a very strong group, is the tight end group. 
Houston, they signed Dalton Schultz to a one-year deal. I like that, by the way. He's a good player. Yeah. Whether or not that turns into something more than one year, you know, we'll we'll have to wait and see. Um, the ghost of Brad Ben Jordan's still here, and uh, Tegan Katoriano, who was actually kind I, of a pleasant I, surprise last year. I don't dislike him either. In fact, he was. I actually had him mocked to the Texans. I had it around early, but uh, that was, I think that was actually the only Texans pick I got right last year. <laughs> yeah, he oh, no, was. I, a, did, I, did have, I did have Stingley, but yeah, he was, was a he was a pleasant surprise and. But absent of Cotoriano, which I mean, he's as he's you know he is what he is, and I yeah. don't know how much more longer the Brevin Jordan experiment is going to happen. And like we said, Dalton Schultz is is one one year for now. This tight end's got to be something they're probably they may potentially look at, and whether it's day two or day three, it seems like this is a pretty fairly deep class. Oh yeah. It's it's a very good class. Now again, you're going to have to deal with the deficiency on and you got to pick what you want. Like you want a you want a wide receiver that's supersized playing tight end. You know, Luke Musgrave is out there. Dalton Kincaid is out there. Uh there, there's a there's a few of those guys. Um I am personally not a Luke Musgrave fan. Anybody that has a 20% drop rate uh and didn't even he, he surpassed that at the senior bowl. This was a guy he dropped four straight passes to him in mobile, like just like not even difficult passes. Like he's looking to turn up the, at the field before the ball's, there. ball's there. Yeah. And uh, I don't know how much better that's going to get, but you know, he's certainly a, a physical specimen. You can get a guy, um, Michigan's Michael Schoonmaker. Yeah. Tall six foot six in line guy, not ever going to run past anybody in coverage, but man, he's really good at what he does. You know, there's there's a, there's a bunch of those dudes in this class too that that you can make some things happen with. I, I you're not going to get Michael Mayer. Uh, at least no. I don't think I don't, I don't think that's realistic. And I think Kincaid might actually be off the board before you pick at 32 as well. So you're looking. Uh, Darnell Washington's probably going to get out pretty quick too. I'm I'm so worried about Darnell Washington. That's another guy. Like I can see him becoming a star. I can also see him like being on four teams in six years uh, because he just doesn't live up to the hype. Uh, but he's, he's certainly got potential. Uh, if you go a little bit later, like Davis Allen out of, of Clemson okay. is a guy who could good player. He can definitely play. Uh, I'm trying to think of a couple other guys. Um, there, yeah, there's there, there's get, talent there. Yeah. Once you get out there, there's the, I mean, there's some really tall guys. I mean, Zach Koontz is six, seven, Josh Wiley, six, six. Yeah. Uh, and again, but you're dealing with deficiencies again, like Zach yeah. Kuntz, you know, this guy who couldn't get on the field at Penn State, um, transferred right. to, to Old Dominion uh, and broke out. But it, did he break out because he was the only guy there who can catch the ball? Mm-hmm. You know, that those are the, the sort of things you have to wait, wait with that. Um, I like Payne Durham if you're looking like sixth, seventh round. For yeah. my money, he was the best tight end in Mobile. He does have good tape at Purdue. It's inconsistent, but if you can harness his goodness – He's he's a very solid number two tight end for you. Yeah, because I don't know how much of a blocker Dalton Schultz is. Um, decent, not not great. And Katoriano is still going to be a work in progress. But I, so I feel like I feel like given Schultz's and and Brevin Jordan's uh, abilities, I feel like an inline type of tight end is maybe where they go unless just one of the playmakers follows, falls into their lap, falls down the board or something. But I feel like an, another inline guy that can block, that can be a red zone target, intermediate yeah. field, you know, sneak out for a reception or two is maybe something where they where they go. And there's definitely probably a few guys that fit that bill on, on day two, day th- or at least day three. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's a good year to need a, a, a budget tight end like that. Again, you're going to have a deficiency, but – I love the idea of, of finding a guy who can line up in line, slow down an edge rusher, and then yep. go out and, and you know catch Chipping a five-yard Texas router and out. Yeah, I, I, there's a lot of guys that can do that in this draft. It's a good time to need one. Oh, we got a Kahali wearing comment. <laughs> Gosh, that's brutal. That's brutal. <sighs> That was that was a, that was a really really bad that was so that was the last year that I covered the Texans for the draft and I I knew was, he stunk I knew he was bad 
Uh, I knew he was a water polo player masquerading as a football player. Man, he just looked like a specimen at camp at OTAs. He sure did. Got me all – I even picked him up on a dynasty fantasy team. I was all excited, and everybody in the league's like, you're an idiot. And sure enough, I ended up being one. But that was – I believe he's in the XFL now. I yeah, say. I mean, he he hit up like four teams in in a span of like four days. I've never seen seen somebody's name end up on the NFL transaction wire so quickly within a five day span of, of teams <laughs> signed and released. I mean, you just had to be wild to get signed and released inside of a twenty four hour period in the middle of the season. So you can't make it through one practice. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> what about Tucker Craft? There's a question from Marco on Tucker Craft out of South yeah. Dakota State. Yeah, uh, he, he. So I will admit, freely admit, I've seen two of his games, uh, but I liked what I saw. I need to see more to have a, a really good feel for him. Fair yeah. enough. Man, it's that's a, that's a lot to cover. That's I think I got everything I wanted to get through. Um, it, it like I said, my wheel's broken. We'll see what happens at uh. <laughs> 1.02. I'm at the point where nothing will surprise me. I, I, I've built out a manual, um, a mental version of my flow chart and about every 30 minutes, a new branch gets added. And it's, <laughs> if, 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 the, if, if thing- the first question is always this, did Carolina take Bryce Young? Yes or no. And if it's no, <laughs> then it's Levis, Anderson, Wilson, trade back and it's just getting out of hand and 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 i you know i i pray i give it to ian rapaport and Pete like that where they're just like man nothing's coming out i have no clue and we saw daniel jeremiah's final mock come out this evening with cj stroud at two and then a trade up with arizona to three to get will anderson i think they would have given uh swapped the picks and then um Given up, I think, 33, 73, and uh, a 22 or a next year's third rounder, which wasn't a crazy package. Keeping all your future ones is, is uh, that's important. That, that's, that would be great. But even, I, even my understanding, Daniel Jeremiah, when he does that mock, especially tonight's mock, he even admits that I really don't know what's going on. So I, this is just what I think is the best solution. And so I think a lot of people need to keep that in mind. And so, yeah, I'm really confident in number one being Bryce young. I'm probably stupidly confident that Jalen Carter is going five to Seattle, even though like everybody's saying that's not going to happen now. Yeah. Um, For a good two, two and a half months before that, before smoke season really started, every single person was like, they're taking Jalen Carter. Mm -hmm. So I, I rolled with that. If, If I'm, if I'm wrong on that, so be it, you know, but I, I, I put the over under for the, the amount of picks that I got right in the first round at 3.5, which would be <laughs> absurdly a, low, but yeah, it could very well, it could very well happen. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's going to be a fun one, man. Uh, I, I really appreciate the time, Jeff. Uh, it's good to chat with you again. Uh, we did this over spaces last year, so it's good to get it face to face. And, and uh, I, I appreciate all the, the commentary you give me throughout the year. And you know, I, I, you know, I, I am no longer covering the Texans, but uh, I have two kids that are both big Texans fans living here in Michigan. They're, uh, in they're, fact, they're big kids. They regardless. Big kids. I my, see the, I son, see the pictures, man. Uh, <laughs> we actually, uh, for spring break, we came down to, and visited rice and mm-hmm. uh, visited their basketball program and might be visiting there again sometime soon. We'll see. Are they, so, uh, <laughs> is one of them a senior? Uh, he's a junior. Junior. Okay. Uh, yeah, he's he's six nine, uh, and then uh, my daughter is she's normal human size. She's five ten, uh, but she's a point guard and eighth grader, and she's uh, she's pretty good too. <laughs> my daughter, my daughter's never gonna reach that because my wife is uh, a whole four foot eleven. So yeah, so my, my wife is six foot two. Uh, I'm six five. We both played volleyball, so yeah, got a little That's bit of an advantage there. <laughs> right. How's uh? There's a question on here about Brad Holmes. I mean, uh, how it seems Detroit's got a good formula going, and they've got a a good package going up there. What's your kind of assessment on him? We're happy with Brad Holmes. We are weirdly confident in Brad Holmes. He does need to get it right this year, though, because this is a team. 
I mean, look, Detroit's never won a division title since they went to uh, the NFC North. They are, they should be the favorites, especially with Aaron Rodgers yep. out now. Like everything is there the way they finished eight and two after starting six and one or one and six, I should mm-hmm. say. Their defense finally started playing and now they've got two first rounds. They've got two second rounders. They did great in free agency. Like there's no reason they shouldn't win the division and and we don't really know how to handle those sorts of expectations. <laughs> you know, normal, normally the draft is like we're our first five guys we draft are all going to be starting like right away this year. They're going to draft somebody at six and he might not start in 2023. That's not a bad thing. It's weird, man. I, 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 you know, I, I, I do radio up here in Grand Rapids and people call in and they're like, what do you mean? You're not going to start. I'm like, who's he better than that's on the roster now? You know, that it's, it's a very strange problem. Uh, And I like it. And Brad Holmes deserves a, a whole lot of credit for how well he has managed to find value, especially in the middle rounds of the draft. Getting guys like Malcolm Rodriguez, Amon Ross St. Brown, Kirby yeah. Joseph. Like these are all guys that are really good players. Uh, he kind of zapped them from out of the ether. Yeah. It's great to hear it. It's at, you know, I'm all for dynasties and whatnot, but I also like parody and I like to see some new teams get up there and, getting the light a little bit and hopefully, hopefully my Texans will find their way back forward. You know, we'll have to you see. Know, it's the, the AFC South is a division where you can get healthy quickly. Jacksonville proved that. Yep. I don't think, I don't think they're going away, but I don't know what's going on in Tennessee. Who knows what's going to happen with Indianapolis. Uh, Tennessee's on a, on a rebuild. They're about to enter the zone where, uh, Rain Carthon's got a, a job in front of him. Their salary cap's a little backwards. They've got a lot of aging players. They've got a, an offensive line that's near non-existent at the point <laughs> at this point in time. And and I see it. You know, I see people mocking. They're like, "Oh, I'm Jackson Smith and Jigba, maybe they go quarterback." I'm like, they need a tackle. Their line is really bad. Yeah, they, guard, they are. They are they need, the, I no way Rain Carthon goes in with quarterback or something with that offensive line. So they got a lot of areas to address. And I think Tennessee is on the, their arrows pointing down for them. And Houston is just going to have to wait and see. I think fans are getting on. I think this is Nick's last year of, okay, we've been waiting. It's two years. Let's start to see some growth. And the fans. I think he drafted well last year overall. And I think if he, he strings another one together here, you know, the, the the 2021 season where they were the worst team in the league and they were also the oldest team in the league, like you cannot have that happen. Yeah. Um, that's sort of actually where Tennessee is headed. Chicago got there too. That's weird how those teams are concerned. Like Houston's going a different route now. It does take some time, but the payoff, you know, if, if, if they get quarterback right and, you know, a playmaker or two emerges and their defense can take the ball away, no reason they can't bubble up and, and pass at least one of the teams ahead of them this yep. coming season. And that, that's, that's where you start from. You gotta, you gotta build that up. Yeah. Cause they're, they're now, now on different timelines D'Amico six year contract, first year for him, six year contract for Nick, but this is year three for him. So much different timelines between the two. And it, it scares me when you see like knucklehead, Steve Kime making comments about, <laughs> I didn't draft Nick Bosa because I needed to preserve my job, essentially paraphrasing. Yeah. And and not to say Nick would do that, and I'm not certainly not saying that here, but it just when you start getting your GM and your coaches on different timelines and different needs and perceptions, it just kind of concerns me a little bit. So it makes me wonder we'll we'll see how this draft plays out and how this draft plays out will kind of answer for me what Nick's immediate future is. And if it's if it goes one way, I wouldn't be shocked to see Nick gone by the end of the season. And if it goes another way, then he could be here for the long haul. And I know what he said at the press conference that he's not going anywhere. I don't buy that hundred percent. So we'll just have to wait and see, but this is going to be a, uh, a very, this is probably his most crucial draft that he's going to have. And hopefully it's not his last for him. So with that, Jeff, I appreciate it, man. I big fan. We'll be following as always. And uh, I hope you have a, Hope you have a wonderful draft. I know you'll be uh, ready to get some sleep after this weekend. 
And uh, yes. yeah, so. this this is the last night that I sleep for a while. Um, yeah. And I, so uh, I've already cleared it with my wife. I'm not getting up with the kids. <laughs> I'm, I'm so sleeping as late as I can because uh, the, this weekend is uh, is coffee and and all sorts of bad food to keep the fuel going. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a fun one for especially tomorrow night because and I was uh, Omar the the Texans um, director of PR. He had texted me last night. He's like, "Hey, are you coming up?" to the stadium or you coming up to the draft party so that he can get my credential. And I'm like, no, my wife is going out of town. So I'm going to be sitting in a karate Jojo parking lot with my son in the back seat when Houston is announcing their second overall pick. So uh, I'm, I've been I'm, there, man. Uh, I, uh, last, gonna... last year for the draft, uh, my, my daughter plays volleyball. I was at a volleyball tournament. I was camped out in the Buffalo Wild Wings in downtown Grand Rapids watching and writing at the bar. Uh, fortunately, the bar, the bartender was very courteous. She's like, you need to plug in, son? You know, yeah. you, you, you need the, the, the landline? Like, yes. Thank you. Yeah. They, they did a great job for it, but, uh, it's, it's tough when there's all that crap going on around yeah. you. <laughs> uh, dad, dad duty calls first and that's, you know, that's that for sure. It that's is, the way but, to do it. but I, yeah. So we'll let you get out of here, man. All Everybody. Right. I appreciate listening in. You can, uh, Jeff, what's your, Oh, you got it up here at Jeff Risden on go. Twitter draft yep. wire on USA today, the yep. Lions wire on USA today podcasts everywhere so make sure you follow his work extremely smart dude i lean on him all the time and thanks for having me in bro i appreciate it no i appreciate it everybody have a good evening and with that we'll shut it down thank you